0: Hey, what's up, addicts? It's your boy Rod. And as the title says, I'm back. So it's been a long two weeks, but I'm looking forward to chopping up with the fellas, bringing y'all some good Redskins addicts news. So pour a drink, sit back, relax. Welcome back to the pod. Hey, what's up, addicts? What's up, fellas? I'm back. Two weeks away, Um, happy to be back on the pod with you guys. Missed y'all, heard both episodes. You guys did a great job. Uh, Steve, appreciate you holding it down while I was gone. Um, But without further ado, let's jump into pod 13. So a couple of days ago, we had heard the news that uh, the the Redskins radio booth has been kind of formed. Uh, So we got Julie Donaldson, uh, D'Angelo Hall, Bram Weinstein, and then they just introduced London Fletcher yesterday to round out the team. So a lot of us had hoped that Cooley and Doc will return. Um, We knew Larry was gone, obviously, with the sexual uh, harassment uh, allegations against him and him, you know, resigning, retiring. But um, they're saying that Hall is going to be the analyst and provide commentary. And they said that Weinstein will be the play-by-play commentator. Uh, So that leaves both Julie and London's positions unknown to me. I'm kind of assuming that Fletcher replaced Doc on the sidelines, I know they're saying that they want it to be more fan-focused, uh, kind of chip away a new frontier. I'm not sure if they're going to integrate social media into their broadcast somehow, but um, what's your guys' reactions with going away from what we all, I guess, kind of loved and respected the past couple of years from the radio team and doing something new with a bunch of – we got some familiars with Julie and maybe Bram Weinstein, um, but D'Angelo in London, I'm not sure how they're going to fill into a radio role. Uh, what say you guys?
1: So what was the, the setup last year? Larry did play-by-play, and Doc and Cooley were on the sideline, right? Wasn't that the setup? Uh, Cooley was in the booth. Cooley was in the booth. So.
0: Yeah, he was a color okay. analyst, yep.
1: So it's a three 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 person team. Now it's basically Bram doing play-by-play with D Hall. London is going to be probably on the field, and that the oddball is Julie. So we don't know how she's going to, you know, side saddle all of these positions where She's just kind of be – there and chime in when she needs to, but <clears throat> D hall, I don't, I don't mind D hall. Uh, this is Steve, by the way, for those listening, I don't mind D hall. Um, he did really good. He jumped straight to national. He did a little bit of radio around here, but he went straight to the NFL network and he's been kind of ghost since 2018. Um, he'll do well. He's good in front of a camera. He can speak well. Um, uh, don't mind him at all. Um, London, good pickup future. Uh, definitely probably a ring of honor guy. I don't know about hall of famer, uh, Definitely an argument that he could be in the Hall of Fame. Not sure how he'll be on um, on the radio, but he he you know he's very articulate. I think he'll be fine. And Bram, like I used to listen to the Bram Weinstein show on on ESPN nine eighty when it was ESPN nine eighty. And it's not that his content wasn't good; It's his voice. It just and Eli has said it before. It's just kind of it kind of nasly. It just really it just doesn't resonate as a play by play. Voice, I could have probably thought of five or six better play-by-play folks than Bram Weinstein. I know he's a lifelong fan, but of all those picks, Bram is the one that really just does not resonate with me at all.
2: I kind of feel the same way. Um, I was a big fan of Doc and Cooley. Um, Cooley having that Romo-esque ability to call plays before, as soon as the, the formation started to take shape. He knew exactly what either team was doing and uh, it takes a rare eye to see that and makes, it gets you into the broadcast more, you know, when you're listening, going down to the road, it gives you a better visual of everything. And hopefully these guys can do the same thing. Um, My, I'm not a big fan of Bram's voice either. I didn't realize that he has done play by play, play play by play in the past. Uh, So, I'm glad that he at least has some level of experience, although obviously it's not to a high level. And uh, to me, the eyeball is Julie, because what is she going to do? Is she going to be the one cutting in with all the social media stuff? This is the thing that kind of weirds me out. They talk about wanting to integrate social media, a visual platform onto radio broadcasts which is an audio platform so how are you going to do that are we going to sit there and just read tweets and 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 ig posts all day it's
1: i mean i i i I, 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 I have an idea that and there's going to be some good that comes out of this whole COVID thing and not having fans because you got to admit, if you've been to FedEx field, it, it's not a very fun experience. They're, the Wi-Fi sucks. There's, there's no fan experience. I think they flash fantasy twice a game. But I think this would be a good opportunity for them to, if they were a lot, would allow Washington football team fans to stream the game from their app, at the same time, you could have, like, you could be posting tweets. They could integrate the live tweets into the commentary during uh, something like that. Just some, she keeps saying they're going to get the fans involved. So maybe that's a way that they're going to revamp, you know, take this opportunity to invest a bunch of money into the Redskins app, which needs a lot of work, by the way, um, to make the game day experience more fun. I don't know. I hope so.
2: I deleted that app. Uh, I would like to have a reason to get it back. But I, I hope there is something to that. That's going to be a little odd because the NFL has very wonky rules about broadcasts outside of a region so if you're if you're a washington football team fan outside of the designated zone you might not have any input because because you can't listen to the game maybe you can just read the tweets i don't know how this is going to operate exactly because like i said broadcast rules and regulations with the nfl are an odd bird and it's hard to get a handle as to how you're gonna integrate that. So that's where I'm just wondering exactly how they're going to do this. If they yeah. want to integrate it on the app, great. I think that's a fantastic idea. Don't do this new trendy thing. Like ESPN pretty much spends half of their broadcasts reading other reading players' Instagram accounts and Twitters. Thanks. For me, it's like if I wanna if I want to know what's on their Twitter or their Instagram. I'll go check it out. Tell me, hey, this guy posts some interesting stuff, blah, 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 and keep it moving. But I just feel like that you might inundate the broadcast with non-game-related stuff, and it's going to just make it a mess. So all I say is I hope you've got a plan for this. Please proceed with caution because when you're listening to the game, the primary thing I'm listening for is the game.
3: Amen. I kinda I'm kind of excited to see Hall. I like Hall. Um I would have liked him and Cooley, but we don't have Cooley or Doc. But Hall is a good one. I don't know Bram. I know I know that I think he used to back when I was a kid did the Nebraska games. I kinda remember remember because I used to like Tommy Frazier. I can't remember he was there then, I think. Tommy. Um <coughs> but um I that's the only thing I remember of him. Yeah, I, I, might think, be, I might be wrong about that, too. I think Bram was on
0: the show with with um, with um Doc and uh, Mitchell in the afternoons on the Team 980 a couple of years ago. But I just – he was sort of the odd wheel to me at times, but I think his name was actually in the title of the show, why did, so. Why
3: didn't they get Rosenberg or somebody?
0: He's a Redskins fan. Who's that? Paul Ro- – is his name? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. From I mean, Br-
1: yeah. Br- Bram is, too. He's a lifelong fan, too, yeah. so.
0: I mean, I'm I'm trying oh, to be optimistic about it. I don't I don't want to beat the dude down too much. It seems like we all hate Bram, and I don't I don't think we do. It's just, um, like like Phil had said, it's you're taking a a visual platform, um, social media and merging it with an audio platform, radio. Um, FCC rules. All that being said, I tweeted the NFL kind of asked a question about Game Pass. I know it's not really related to Redskins uh, uh broadcast, but with COVID, what, what is the league trying to do with uh, at least making the, the game more accessible to folks? Because yeah, like, like Steve said earlier, they do have a chance to really take COVID and make the best of something that's pretty shitty for lack of a better word. So um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how this rolls out. Now we haven't heard from Ellie on this segment yet, and I really want to get his input on this. So Ellie, what you got, brother?
4: All right. So I want to say that now that Ron's gone Hollywood, it's important for me to say, that these opinions are that of Le and no one else on this podcast. These are my own. <laughs> I <laughs> oh shit. What are you racist? Crazy shit. I hate. No. I um. I I. It's this is. It's weird to me to have a three-person broadcast booth that never works anywhere. Remember when Monday Night Football tried to do that with uh, Dennis, Dennis Miller, Miller oh, and Hornheiser and who else was? <sighs> It, it's just – it's too much information while you're trying to also consume the information that's going on on the field, right? Kornheiser would like,
3: be a good choice also. I like Um
4: Not for play-by-play, but I think he'd be a good, you know, additive to the show. I, the, the other problem is there's, there's no difference. Like, D. Hall is kind of a, a monotone voice. Bram is a monotone voice, so the whole podcast—who's bringing the excitement to the plays that are happening on the field—that's what concerns me. Because motherfucking
3: Donaldson, man.
4: Okay, okay by, my, by my home girl Julie, motherfucking Donaldson. I hope so. I hope so. But remember, there's two other people com- c- competing He's for that around. microphone.
3: All we gotta have is Julie Donaldson and nobody else, bro. There's two other people
4: competing for that now one of the big advantages to not having fans in the stadium this year is that you're going to be able to hear more of what's going on in the field right play calls audibles things like that now that's going to go away too because now you're going to hear three people trying to say something right I feel like it's 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 such a start with two and then add a third if you can get to that point right and you feel like okay, we've done this for a little while. We need to add something else to this broadcast. But going from three to two is going to seem like a demotion for anybody that's on there, right, if you feel like, okay, this is too much. I just – I feel like since you don't have practice um, with preseason games, start small, build up if you feel like you need to add something into that broadcast. Just, you're just already putting yourself on behind the eight ball. Um, and, and, again, I know Brom has some limited experience doing play-by-play from what you guys tell me. Hall was on the NFL Network. I think he was all right. I was never the biggest fan of Cooley on the radio broadcast. I don't think he has a good radio voice. Um, that's just my criticism of that. But I think there are so well, you're many not other. I can have your dulcet bass tones. I'm not saying they have to, All <laughs> right. But there's other people out there, I think, that can provide information and also be entertaining. I think that's where D Hall is going to really lack. It's just being entertaining, but that's his job on the broadcast, which is weird. Like, the, the fits don't make sense to me. In any and in these tracks, and I like Julie and what she's done on, like, some of the pregame shows as a host. But how do you host a radio broadcast while the game is going on? And then the last thing I'll say is I hate social media-focused and fan-focused things. Focus on football, and the rest will work itself out. Phil, love your points. I don't care what the heck somebody's tweeting during the game that I can't – I'm not out there Look, I don't even like to read my own stuff that I put on social media when I put it out there. I just want to hear about the game, and that's it. Your brain can only process so many things simultaneously, right? And now you're getting all these different distractions, and I'm afraid that's what this is going to become, just a bunch of distractions. I know they want to appeal to a younger audience because we have the people that are in our generation who saw Super Bowls and then this gigantic gap of people that had never seen success from this football team. I think there's better ways to cater to them, and I think the first way to do that is to start winning on the field and then worry about the rest later. But it's just – it seems like they're going the other direction, at least from that media department, who we're all hoping and wishing the best for. They get that um, right, Rod? <laughs> no, without
0: a doubt, without a doubt, dude. And I think you you captured it towards the end of your uh, your monologue where you're just talking about winning on the field. That's that's ultimately what matters more than anything with this whole scenario. I don't care who's in the booth. I don't care if it's three man team, two man, fourteen. Um, winning product is going to be what we all remember more than anything. And that's what we should remember. So uh, that's the biggest takeaway for me. Let's uh, we'll listen to the broadcast when it comes on because we ain't got no better, uh, nothing better to do, but uh, I want to win a winning team. So I will move forward with the next segment. So I think the giants had announced that they want to have the giants and the jets announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that they wouldn't have fans at the games this year. Uh, Jerry Jones said that he will um, encourage fans to come to his game with uh, proper spacing, social distancing, et cetera. Um, but the Washington football team just came out, I think, 48 hours ago, saying, hey, no fans are going to be at the games this year. A lot of back and forth that I witnessed, at least on Twitter, where some people were sort of like me in uh, acknowledging that, hey, FedEx has largely been – a neutral site that did not benefit the Redskins or Washington football team the past couple of years. Uh, So hearing that there's no fans, I saw that as a positive for the home team, meaning that, hey, when we're on offense and it's third and six, it's not going to be a a loud Thunderdome like it typically was. Like I'd be at games telling people to shut the fuck up. We're on offense. And I was probably contributing to the fan noise, but um, I'm – It's interesting because there's so much momentum that does come from a fan base that knows what's going on. And I'm not saying that ours didn't. But with you looking at how training camp is rolling out, the players didn't have their names in the back of their jerseys yet. They just had team. If we can get this team to pull through the COVID pandemic and play as a team, play as one unit, without fan interaction, without fans cheering them on, and actually pull from deep within themselves to win games, to cheer each other on, build that camaraderie. This can be to our benefit. Um, So I'm not too hurt about it. I'm no longer in the area. I've since moved from Stafford, Virginia. I now live in Kansas, uh, just outside Kansas City uh, metro area. So for me, I'm not as hurt because I couldn't go to the games anyway. Um, But for the folks who are local, I know that's Steve, Phil, in in L.E., what are, your, what are your guys' reactions to hearing that we can't have fans at the stadium this year?
2: I got an idea. One is, as I've said previously on the, on this podcast, card subject change. If other teams are able to successfully pull off having te- fans in the stadium, we may see that at the end of the year if the franchise just acknowledges, hey, you know what? It's December. This, the, everything seems to be pretty well under control. We'll experiment with maybe having 15,000, 20,000 fans spaced out throughout the stadium, um, which would probably be good because then we can at least limit it to 15 000 to 20,000, mostly Washington fans. However, I actually think that if we go without fans in the stadium for a season, this will be a nice, hard reset on the fan base. We've now seen it to where our home games have at times become away games. Like that Philly game where it was, I swear to God, 70% Philly fans in our stadium. I think that going a season without fans and giving us an opportunity to show a team that is building in the right direction, one that you can get excited for, you know, with our, you know, trillion-dollar defensive line and our rookie, you know, our second-year quarterback now uh, who's developing into, a you know, an elite-level quarterback or, you know, Terry McLaurin, Bryce Love. You know, there's a lot of things that you can get excited about. And if these pieces all fall into place, by the time fans can come back, you're going to have fans that are, A, hungry for football. They want to attend games again because they were locked out of doing that. And, B, you're going to have a franchise that's in a much better place than the last time fans were allowed in the stadium. And I think that that's going to be a nice hard reset for the fan base. And it's going to – you know, if this team is winning more, it may not be a winning team, but this team is winning more. If it's trending in the right direction, the fan base will follow. And you don't have to go through a year of staring at these really, really, really sad crowds where it's half empty it's mostly opposing teams' fans, especially when it's a rival. You don't have to worry about that. You're going to have none of that. You, know, you, you kind of reset the fan base and come next year. You're going to have a lot more optimism heading into the next season, and that's going to boost ticket sales. It's going to boost the fan base's morale, and it's going to lead to more of us fans going to FedEx. Oh, I think the
3: TV's going to panic. Because you're going to hear everything, man. You're going to hear all the niggas, all the – I mean, the word, the word nigga. You're going to hear all that a hundred times. You're going to hear the worst shit. You're going to hear coaches get on players that you normally don't hear because of the crowd noise. I wonder if they're going to
0: stop micing the players. I think they're going to have to do what the NBA does in the bubble because I I thought about that too. All the fake noise. The fake noise, the simulated noise. (sighs) i tell you what, man. The NBA, give credit to that that league – that institution, because they've done it the right way. That bubble, like the digital – I mean, you, I understand you can't do that with football, the digital wall boards with fans. And get ready to have a conjugal
3: business in the NBA, man, about a week. That's –
0: yeah, that's we'll, – we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. That's, mm-hmm. that's
3: crazy to me, man. It's, like, it's pretty much like, ah, oh, we're going to invite uh, wives and girlfriends and longtime associates of the NBA. What's that word mean? I tell you, hookers. They're going to allow hookers <laughs> in the bubble, dog. It's great to have you, bro. Side I'm pieces. telling you, that's exactly what's gonna happen. We Instagram models on it. You're gonna see Instagram flooded with pictures with niggas on the NBA and shit.
4: Watch. And Disneyland.
3: Watch. <laughs> They're gonna get Corona and Chlamydia, dog.
4: I think um, <laughs> <laughs> right. right, you, you
3: somebody gonna wild out, man. I it'll be number one if they did have an NFL bubble. Imagine the fights, bro. Like if they had the Eagles and Redskins in the same bubble, everybody in the NFC East in the same bubble, man. Just every like if we had Cormier and Bones Jones fight is tonight or something, and they stayed in a hotel in the same, you know, right next to each other the night before. You know, they will spend all night trying to make sure they don't get at each other. I just want to see some bullshit that pop off, man, because you know somebody's going to get told, get called the wrong name, called a bitch. You're going to hear people cursing. You're going to see, like, guys like Tom Brady, like you've never seen them, you know?
4: Yeah. <laughs> you know, he might that, throw the ball he, at
3: Gronk and be like, he dropped me, catch the ball, bitch. You know, you know
4: you
3: <laughs> don't know what what's going to happen.
4: Phil, you said that you think that this is a good break for fans to kind of reset. The danger in that is Could the danger be. in that is for a long time now the home experience has been far superior to the game day experience. And now you're going to have fans that showed up at every game. Now exercising that game day experience, and you might not get those fans back in the stadium when it's time. I think the other the other concern is when people do start showing up to the stadium you're going to get the crowd that they're now starting to cater to. and That's a lot of really young uh, fans, you know, like 20-somethings now. Um, and I don't want to phase out some of the OG fans. You know what I'm saying? Some of the diehards that have been around since the 80s, the 90s, and stuff like that. I don't, I don't want to see those guys get phased out because they feel like strangers in their own stadium when they come back. Um, as far as the fans not showing up, that, when did that start? Like, I, I, to me, my, my feeling is that started when the whole Griffin-Cousin thing just started exploding. It did. And and the radios were picking sides and and telling fans that, you know, your team sucked. You know, like, our own stations were talking about our own team, like, because they wanted Cousins to play. Or the other station thought that Griffin—this has not been a problem for us until recently. That Cousins-Griffin debacle tanked this franchise, like, I know we hadn't been good for a long time, but that did something different to this franchise. People got fed up and had enough with the franchise. So – um,
2: can, 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 I, can I tell you this? We, and I, this is proof that winning fixes that because we had that problem in the Zorn and early Shanahan era too – If you remember that Monday night massacre game, that was on our field, and that stadium was 50% Eagles fans.
1: It's now even worse. It goes back to it, it, the Steelers. Do y'all remember the Steelers game? That's when I met he you.
3: Work yes. No. 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 Game Rod. Game? It
1: was. It was even before that. Rod. It was 2008 or nine. That that, right. that that exposed the scandal with the front office. They were illegally selling tickets to scalpers just to continue the worst so sold out. out streak. But they were selling them to scalpers, and then they were selling to uh, ticket brokers in Pittsburgh. Um, Back, yeah, so it, sorry I didn't wanted to chime in and thun, th- steer Thunderfield, but yeah, this was even pre Griffin and Cousins where we were just having yeah. a takeover. So I, I'm kind of a fill, but I also agree with you, Ellie. You don't. <clears throat> I was a season ticket holder for ten plus years, and I only stopped because I had kids. I had them two years into my first after having kids, and we just couldn't sustain it anymore. But and I will say I, I enjoy watching the games from my house. In my, in the, in, you know, I don't have to wait in line. I don't have to pay eleven fifty for a beer. I can order what kind of food I want. I tell um,
3: everybody, NFL's way better at home.
1: It, it is. It, with the televisions being cheaper this year, and the, and the NFL, you, know, you have the, the, what's the red zone. Um, it, it doesn't take the place of being at FedEx Field when we're winning, because that's really hard to, to beat. Look at the 2012 season. But, um,
3: do, it, do any of you guys have an Oculus? No. Man, if you like I don't know if the NFL does this, but the NBA, if you have an Oculus, you can go in their NBA, uh, their little app, like you can on your phone or whatever. But you can, if the Knicks are playing, you can literally sit in a seat in Madison Square Garden and watch the game and you got to look left and right, like they're up down the court.
0: Yeah, VR. I did that on the PlayStation VR. Yeah. It's pretty dope.
1: Yeah. Wow. But, so yeah, it's it's... It's, it's going to be good and bad. I don't know either way. I can see both sides of it. Um, I do enjoy watching the games from, from the comfort of my own home. Um, but if they were to make the experience better, I mean, yeah, you'd you'd have me back in a heartbeat. Um, sure. Parking, there's nowhere to go around the stadium. Either you're tailgating or you're walking in. That's it. There's no, you know, like Patriot place up in New England. There's nowhere to, to go hang out if you took the Metro. Yeah. Um, there's nothing except tailgate or go inside and buy that, you know, Eleven dollar beer, so they got to fix that. They
2: they need they need to make the they need to encourage the tailgating because honestly, that's some of my fondest memories. At FedEx is being out in that damn cavernous parking lot they got for three hours before the game. You know, just tipping back beers I bought that were a lot cheaper and eating some good food. I mean, you know, I met some dude who ran a seafood restaurant out on the Eastern shore had some of the best damn shrimp jambalaya I've ever had in my life was out in a FedEx parking lot. But it's got to be more than that. There has to be an improved game day experience. They have to encourage it. And you know what? You've now got a year to figure this out. You've got a year to figure this out. How are we going to bring these people back? Well, step one is winning. Winning will always bring people back no matter how. For sure. Yeah. I mean, come on. The Patriots, before they got to let's say we're playing at Foxborough, Fans showed up there when they were winning. Also, Fox, we got to have a guy that, stadium in a horrible location.
3: We need a guy that you want to come see, man. We, You know, we tasted a little bit of that with RG3 as rookie year. We need somebody to people like, man, I got to watch this dude play. I'm hoping yeah. Chase Young's that guy. I'm hoping yeah. he's that guy. I, I know it's hard for a defensive player to be that guy. So more than likely, it's got to be Haskins. But right. uh, McLaurin. McLaurin. Guys don't go to stadiums and see receivers, do they?
4: Yes, OBJ. Yeah. Are you Randy kidding me? Randy Moss, maybe. OBJ, Divas.
3: OBJ. You think they go to? You think they go to the Brown Stadium to see him now? Or
4: yes. Is
1: that just a giant
4: thing. He is oh, a mega star. Do you,
1: do you see him dance during pregame? Look at the crowd hype.
4: Yeah, he's a. Me- so let me. I know this is a little bit off topic, but you mentioned this, or a couple of you guys mentioned this, an improved game day experience. What is that like for me? I like to roll up to the stadium at 1259. I don't want to do anything else, and I want to leave as soon as that last whistle blows because when I go there, it's just nothing but people fighting each other or arguing. You know, I don't take my kids to FedEx Field because just the language is awful. Uh, you know, people are always beefing with each other outside the stadium or, uh, you know, in the concourse areas and stuff like that. What would it get, uh, an improved game day experience be for you guys?
2: Winning games. Besides
4: W's? yeah besides W's, yeah
1: no i can i can tell you right now it's it's if you you know i'm a huge dc sports fan okay you follow the nats park model like in the in the food in the food inside FedEx field is burgers and dogs that's it it's it's green i don't even and know it's green rude
0: as fuck
1: yes so look at nats park man they brought in like I'm not trying to be all bougie, but they brought in Ben's Chili Bowl. They brought in some shoosie joint. They brought in all kinds of the flavor of D.C. They brought it into Nats Park. That's one. Two, um, your location sucks because there's only two roads in. You have Arena Drive and you have um, um, off of Central Avenue, off of uh, 217. in Bright Seat? Morgan Boulevard. Morgan Boulevard. So you got, you got one road in on each side. That's it. Traffic sucks. If I don't, if I don't get up and walk away from my seat with seven to 10 minutes left of the game, I'm sitting in traffic for 45 minutes, waiting to get out of stadium. So whenever I drove and tailgated, I left early just so I can beat traffic. It's, it's probably terrible of me, but I did that half the time. So those are two things that lead to me would answer. My problem is the food and the access to the stadium for vehicles, and three, you don't cater to the metro crowd. Like pop, throw some pop up tent and sell concessions in the stadium that are in the parking lot. It's a little bit cheaper. Make a make a Nats Park. I'll keep saying Nats Park. They have the um the bullpen. It's just a bunch of uh, Connex metal containers that they play. You could play cornhole. They have discounted drinks out there. They get you there before the game starts for happy hour. Like something like that. that that's it. That's my piece. Throw something I always, up,
2: show, I always show the Nats games an hour, hour and a half beforehand. So there I can you go, go get half price beer.
1: Yep. So, Ellie, that's, that's my take. I hope that
2: want. I want, want charcuterie's
4: charcuterie yeah and the yeah, little sausage and cheese
3: i just want to i just want to, i just want to be the first person to say that on a podcast
4: charcuterie i think i feel like the um the, the replays the at the game are awful when you're at fedex like you never see a replay of what just happened on the field i hate i hate that whole video coordination at that stadium it's terrible um i think the, the the scores are not constant up there for, like, other games that are going on that you might care about. There's no fantasy football interaction while you're there. Um, and, and, Steve, you said earlier the Wi-Fi is trash, so you can't check your fantasy team while you're in the stadium. If you're going to get up to go get food at that stadium, you're going to miss half a quarter trying to get that food and coming back. And I think that's also awful. It, it, it just it, – and when I leave, coming from my house, I leave for games probably about 8 o'clock in the morning. And I get home about 730 at night for one o'clock game just because of traffic coming through Springfield um, back on down to my it's just it's terrible. I, it's such a journey to do that. So I only do it like once a year, but I've
3: never that, been to FedEx field ever. I've been to RFK when I was a kid.
0: Never went to. My weird hate for FedEx is fucking standing all game and paying for a seat.
1: It's because the design of the stadium. If the person in front of you is standing, you have to stand, or you yeah. can't see. I don't know if that's every stadium. I've been to, I've been in the old Dallas Stadium, um, and I've been to RFK, and I've been to FedEx. I haven't been to any other stadiums besides those three. So my 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 scope is very limited. Nashville's something like that. If, if you can, if, if the states, the seats were higher, and that's one of the big things that I would throw that in there too, but I don't want to keep talking. Is stadium experience, if people in front of you are standing, you got to stand, or you tell them to sit down and they're like, I paid for this stupid ticket. I'm going to stand. And then the usher's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I don't even, they don't even know how to enforce that. So it's always a problem, especially. So I was in the 200s, I was in 214. Um, and Rod, I know you were up, you were in that same area. It's hard. It's, it's, if you're standing, you got to stand, and it is it is a trickle effect. So if the per- first person in the row is standing, it goes all the way back up just so everybody can see. And it's I hated ass. it
0: for my kid yes, because he would be nervous to stand on the seat, which is understandable. They're folding seats. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd have to start standing midway through the first quarter, and I'm standing pretty much the entire game. So that's a way to you fix it. But you can't fix that, though, at FedEx unless you remove rows of seats. Um, and. Dan's not going to do that unless that's the fucking COVID feature is moving forward. But go ahead, Phil. As I say, if you're up in the 400 section, you're looking straight down.
2: Like there's a weird thing. You get up to that upper deck. No one has to stand. That's what I'm saying. You're looking looking down though. Like they pitch, they pitch those seats up high and I feel bad for anybody who has any kind of vertigo trying to go up into the 400 section.
0: Yeah. It's like those higher seats are built like, Typical n f l stadiums like if you look at like the chief's arrowhead, whatever, it pretty much goes like from f- f- seat one to seat four hundred like damn near straight up an escalator um but if you're sitting down it's it's like true stadium seating FedEx is not really like stadium seating at all,
4: but the four hundred levels are like. A county jail, too. <laughs> like the yeah, cheap seats, yeah, are like I,
0: just, I, I, you're
4: risking something going there. Yeah.
2: I hear you. I'm, 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 I'm a big dude and I'm not afraid to throw hands. So, like, I don't mind <laughs> being up there.
4: You get what you pay for, it's all I'm saying.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, fellas. Now, Phil and Steve, um, y'all have been talking about this Kevin Sheehan Ron Rivera interview that uh, transpired earlier today. Um, I was unable to listen to it, but for either myself, Dev, or Ellie, um, even the fans listening, what's what's the juice with that? What, what did Ron give to Kevin that we really need to know moving forward?
2: He really likes Price Love. That's the one of the biggest takeaways.
0: <laughs> I'm keeping my 20 bucks from Dev. Thank you.
2: Montez Sweat, too.
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll start it as fast as possible. So he's all about tempo at practice, right? He got that from Andy Reid. He specifically said that when he was on the Eagles. Uh, tempo, tempo, tempo. So you're going to see that as as his practice. Um, uh, the next thing is he talked about his sleepers, which he named Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Troy Apke, uh, as his two sleepers, which I don't think we've talked about those guys for any more than three seconds on who's the, the first one, Kevin Pierre Lewis. I don't even K-Po. know who yeah. that is. They the up. he's a linebacker. Okay, he had some yeah. very good yeah. things about Kevin Pierre Lewis. Yeah, um, and Troy Apke. So, hey, it, for the coach to say those two people, that's got to mean something, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. He also mentioned uh, Cam and Steve Sims, but um, we we know about Cam and Steve Sims, um, we do. Uh, I don't know about them being sleepers, maybe, maybe uh, Cam Sims, but Steve Sims, I think he's a lock. And then he also mentioned Montez Sweat. We know that Montez Sweat is a, uh, he's also a lock. So I wouldn't call him a sleeper too, but uh, yeah, Kev pierre Lewis, Troy Apke, um, Cam Sims, he he referenced as sleepers. He also asked about um, uh, if there was a preseason game, which if you look, think about it, our first preseason game would have been tomorrow night against the Titans Dwayne would have been starter. He said Dwayne would have been the starter for the first preseason game. So I'm all excited jumping in my seat. And then he goes on to say, but Kyle would have started, probably started the second game because this is an open competition. Nothing is given. Um, Dwayne is so competitive in practice. Um, so take that for what you will. I I still think Dwayne's the starter. He's just not going to hand it to him outright. Um, since we have no preseason games, he says it's a challenge for the coaching staff because they have to create game-like situations in practice so players can be competitive, especially for the younger players who need development, and show the team that, that – that they deserve a spot on the team. So if you think about it, that's hard to do in practice. And he said, it can't always be the ones versus the twos, which is what they do, right? You have your starter versus the practice squad. Um, they're going to have to mix it up, mix and match. So it's going it's to be interesting to see what happens unless they do first team defense versus first team offense. Um, and then he touched on Alex Smith. Um, he just said, you know, before I took this job, I just thought it'd be a bonus if he came back. He's very happy to see where he is. He did see the project eleven, but he's focused on the younger guys. He did say that by the way. Um, but this goes back to Dev's comments from uh was it two pods ago or last pod? Alex has to show that he can protect himself. And he specifically said eluding tacklers, moving side to side, quick cuts, avoiding pressures. They haven't seen that yet because he hasn't had the opportunity to show that yet. So um he talked about uh the left tackle position. he, He says the left tackle may be on the roster. He goes, but I can't be sure because they haven't seen these guys in pads yet. you got to think about where they are. They haven't been in pads. And then um, he did talk about Bryce Love, just like what Phil said. Um, overall is a really good interview. I, I love everything he says. It's so exciting to hear him during a press conference, to hear him with these guys doing podcasts, doing uh these Zoom conferences, because he says all the right answers. I don't think he's holding back anything. Um, And it's, it's just really good to hear him. It's kind of like a breath of fresh air from, from Jay Gruden and um, Mike Shanahan. So that's kind of the synopsis of, 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 uh, of the, about a 20 ish, give or take minute interview with uh, Kevin Sheehan today on his radio show.
0: I appreciate that, man. And I'm like you said, without, without there being a preseason looking at the the growth and development of your second year quarterback for me, um, that means a lot. <clears throat> now I'm assuming that Chase Young would end up playing that right defensive end going against the uh, left, left tackle on offense and we still don't know who that left tackle is going to be. So I think on the outside, looking in on paper, it looks like a horrible situation for Dwayne, but a silver lining of that type of scenario. If, if Scott Turner, Dwayne Haskins, my receivers, whatever can get the timing of these routes down and he's able to consistently beat a chase young going against a potential rookie or potential journeyman at left tackle. And I think that would pay huge because here's one thing that we've always dealt with. Well, not really always, but we've dealt with the past couple of years is just quarterbacks holding onto the ball far too long. I'm not making decision. You had the Trent Williams either being injured or the contract holdout. Uh, Donald had played pretty good last year for us, but then you had the rookie, the, the coaching change, and just a bunch of turmoil in the, uh, in the organization. So I'm hoping that turns out to be in our favor. Um, whereas Dwayne learns to get the ball out quicker, um, not really holding the ball. I don't know if Scott Turner has that type of offense. So I think Jay kind of did with the quick inside routes. Uh, I think you guys talked about I know we talked about in the earlier pod where Turner kind of had these more longer developing routes uh, stretching the field. So we'll see. Um, But yeah, without a doubt, man, not having this preseason is going to result in sloppy football week one i think that's going to be for every every team in the league not just uh the washington football team so no good 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 uh synopsis of that pod i definitely gotta listen after and i'll make sure i link it uh into our podcast so folks can check that out as well but no, it was that.
3: good to, it was good to hear him talk about troy afke also um
0: I've always liked Apke, too. I mean, Madden wise, <laughs> I would put him in because speed.
3: Be <laughs> yeah, he played, He definitely plays. Uh, Ramonti team man, but um, uh, he brought up Apke. I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see him. Um, uh, if 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 he's telling the truth that everybody's position is uh, up for grabs, if he gives him a fair shot, at least at some clock. I ain't saying start, but some clock that'd be pretty cool. But, uh, the linebacker we got to uh, Pierre Louis. Uh, What's his name?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, Kevin Fast guy.
3: I know. I know he's fast. I,
0: I, if I yeah, I'm look looking him up. up. Yeah, he's he's a 232. So he's six feet, 232 pounds. Where do you run a shorty in? Four five.
3: Yeah, he's a fast dude. I kind of remember that. I thought he played like a hybrid safety kind of dude in college. I can't remember.
0: He played running back like in high school, and uh, was a four-star recruit uh, going into uh, ranked as like the 10th best outside linebacker, which is pretty damn. Pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, you know, a um, blue chip player. Yeah, so he's from Connecticut too, man. So I'm from Connecticut. It's pretty pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it, here's the thing. So looking at that dude's career, black people in Connecticut. Shut up, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> with you and New Edition, <laughs> God damn you, Candy girl. Look at you know.
0: <laughs> he started with Seattle for two years. I'm obviously I don't, I don't he wasn't a starter there. So 14 to 16. Went to Kansas City in 17, the Jets in 18, the Bears in 19, and now us. So he's sort of a journeyman. His career stats, 128 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, one yeah. interception, six pass deflections. But is this oh. a guy who's a – is he a diamond in the rough? It, you look at no. people's careers. He's been in the I
3: league. I think he's a steady
4: backup.
0: That's fine. He, but for the coach to mention him is – I don't
4: know. means nothing. It probably means
0: nothing if anyone on the team is. is he must have had a good day, at day of
3: practice and thought bringing his name up would be good. I
4: how mean, can, you know, how, you, you are not bringing
3: up Sean Dion Hamilton. Who's that guy? What's he doing?
4: Yeah, but because this is what I'm saying, when you're not practicing, they haven't been practicing yet. So what's he going to bring up about Kevin Pierre lewis and Walkers? Like, this is this this is what I'm saying? Like, put everything into context. What has he done to see what anybody can do, especially Troy Atkins the offense and defense weren't even practicing against each other until, yeah. like, maybe the other day, like, plus just any, the other day. Plus, I, any I, linebacker runs a
3: four or five in no pads and practice is going to look good. Bro,
4: yes. Like, you got to follow the money, right? This guy's been on, like, eight teams, and it's, it's not because he's good. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't keep getting released because of talent. Talented people stick around. I, the The, the quarterback thing I hate. I hate when coaches overplay their hand on quarterback situations. I know you want to make them earn it. And I know one of the things that has been at wrong in DC is when people want open quarterback competition, they're really not. So I appreciate his valiant effort to make this one. I think if you look deeper into the words and read between the lines, Dwayne starting the first preseason game tells you Dwayne would have started the third preseason game, right? If they're alternating, which tells you what Dwayne's the starter, because the third preseason game is your quote unquote, dress rehearsal.
1: And Kevin tried to get him to, to, to come out and say that. I I appreciate Kevin Sheehan for saying that he tried to get him to say exactly what you said. So he said, so if uh, you know, in his kind of like your voice, Ellie, his low, deep voice. If, if uh, so, if Dwayne would have did well in the first preseason game, would he have been the starter for the regular season game? And Ron goes, "Well, you know, it wouldn't be right of me to comment on that because it is an open competition." And then, you know, but Dwayne's doing everything we're asking him to do. He's, he's, uh, he's leading in the locker room, and he's, he's taking charge right. on the field. And so he was basically saying it without saying it. That's kind of how right. I took it. And, 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 and
4: for the people <laughs> that are hoping for Kyle Allen, look at their their patch. Kyle Allen started out red hot and regressed the entire rest of the year. Dwayne started out like trash and got better the rest of the year. Two different odds. It's not happening, guys. All right. I, Troy Apke, no. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the guy guy is fat. We talked about this a couple of pods ago, Steve. I know you're with me on this. The guy has zero awareness when it comes to football. And he didn't at Penn State either. And he's not just going to develop that in the NFL. He's quick, yes. He had interception last year, I believe. Cool.
3: Different coaching matters, man.
4: No. he did, You cannot teach awareness in football. It's one of those things that you cannot educate somebody on how to be Tangible. aware. You, on can, a you, football can, field. you can,
3: you can, you can kind of give him less responsibility and let him go out there and be an athlete. Nobody's nah, saying right, he needs to start. But if you put out – got a nah. dime or nickel package where you just tell him to cover a certain amount of space and be an athlete, he can make a play for you. I'm no. pretty sure he has more interceptions nah, than Aaron in Calvin. Oven.
4: Bro, double moves. <laughs> how much awareness you saying that That's motherfucker has? You know
3: what I'm saying? Oh, no, pass P-B- breakup,
4: PBUs, man. But, like, double moves, he's done. It's not how – he's a special teams guy. He couldn't get on the field in Joe Barry's defense. He's a special he team. guy. He got on the field last year. Man, when they were, like, 0-88, he came at the end of the year oh, when Callahan was just uh, like – Another, another thing, though,
3: another thing I want to ask you, about Lawrence, is, like, when he said to us he don't know if the left tackle – is on the team. I'm like, why the fuck did you get rid of Trent Williams in man for one of the dudes you don't know if he's on the team? I'm like, I it, understand that you want right to make it sound like a
4: competition, but he's an old school guy. Number one, who the heck are you signing off the street this late in the game to play left tackle for you? If he's not Trent
3: wow, Williams, shouldn't that's what he should have done. Nobody,
4: nobody,
0: <laughs> right? Nobody, that, baby. That guy
4: is on the team, and that guy's name is Cornelius Lucas. That, like he's going to start originally left tackle, and I, and then I think you're going to start to see. Uh, Homeboy from the fourth round pick. I can't remember. Charles? Jerron Christian? No, <laughs> <laughs> Charles?
0: Man, I, Charles. Think,
3: I think Jerron Christian's going to uh, start the league, start out at left tackle.
0: Hey, He's De- not. Dev, I don't think I pulled up the stats between uh, Colvin and Apke. Apke has one more interception than, uh, than Colvin. Right. He also
3: has eight less years of playing. So
0: it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. Colvin Wait. has zero interceptions. Apke has one. I
3: know. <laughs> Colvin has had, been in the league seven years and has as many interceptions in the NFL as I do. Zero. But he's still in the league. He's making millions of dollars, man.
2: All right. So –
3: God cheated me. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say a lot on the air, man. I feel like the Lord gave Calvin the opportunity that one of us could have <laughs> did the exact same thing for him, man. I don't think this is messed up.
4: He got a big contract. He had to be – like, at one point in his career, he got a decent – In Jacksonville,
3: size. right? Was it Jacksonville or the yeah. Texans or somewhere? Man, listen,
4: you know who else didn't have a lot of interceptions? The kid from Dallas that just got uh, signed by another team, man. Sometimes I bet he had more interception than one. Interceptions will tell the whole story, though. That's all I'm saying. Man, he don't have a. Uh, don't tell a whole well, story. They, they, you we know, might they have feel, an interception.
3: Doesn't tell, tells the whole story.
2: Well, <laughs> being being ranked at the 114th best corner in the league tells a story.
3: Though. Who's 115th?
4: Carlos Rogers.
3: Carlos Rogers had an interception. Maybe this <laughs> maybe maybe Calvin needs uh, Lacy. Sean Debran is
0: 115. I heard. Who is Sean Debran?
2: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I had an interception before. Dev, One fifteen. Yeah. Um, all right. I, so, I want to touch on the sweat thing. Because I remember everybody was like, why do you say Montez Sweat is a sleeper? And I thought the same thing at first. And then I got to thinking about it. Montez Sweat is the one we speak about the least. Out of that entire line. We talk that about... Not me. I love Montez Sweat.
4: Yeah, no. That's not I true. Thought- I
2: thought he was going to be a <laughs> pro bowler. Yeah. Hold on. And... But- but and hold, Carolina
4: wanted to draft we, him last year and we took we him, had, I think, and they got Brian Brown. We had, hold on, when we had these discussions,
2: we talk about the interior alignment. We talk about how great we expect Chase Young to be, and we talk about where's Ryan Kerrigan gonna play. Sweat, because we just know he's going to be there. We don't really talk about him and we don't talk about him being, you know, Chase Young level productive. Now hey, Montez Sweat
3: gonna lead the team in sacks this year, bro. I'm calling it.
2: You know this. I believe that he can be up there. I don't know if he will leave, but he'll be up there. But he just doesn't get the mentions like that because his his ability to produce, a lot of people see as a foregone conclusion. And I think Ron Rivera just wanted to remind you, hey, we got one other guy here. You're not talking about as much right? because he's just quietly putting in the work. And I think that's what Rivera was doing was that was his way of giving props to, to Montez, but I think at the same time, probably doing a little bit of lighting a fire under his ass, like, oh, you only see me as a sleeper? Let me go out here and show you who's sleeping. And, if Charles and
3: – if I Charles think... and what's-his-name aren't good this year, uh, Jeron Christensen aren't good this year, with having to go against Kerrigan, Young, and Sweat, and Anderson all day long in practice, man, there's no hope for him Because practice mm-hmm. is going to be harder than games to those guys.
2: By the way, if you listen to the interview, the person who he talked about the most in terms of positive attributes was Sadiq Charles. Talked about how he liked the long arms so he can you know, keep the defender at bay, things like that. So I think Charles, I think he likes the physical tools and the size that Charles has. I like Sadiq Charles in terms of his size compared to Jerron Christian. So I Nobody's mean using John Jerron Christian as a... I- He's undersized. I he's think he's not,
3: using he- him as kind of a, a motivational tool to get Charles ready. I think it's always supposed to be Charles at left tackle. But maybe he's giving Christians that chance to, to be the number one left tackle just to see if Charles will come up and grab it from him. Like he wants to put somebody in front of him so I have an obstacle to, to hurdle over. You can't just hand the guy the job. Maybe that's well, what he's doing. Like I it. I see, it, do I do see it. Kerrigan I not- starting over young at first for the same reason. You tripping? I do not need under what? <laughs> you right, you are right. That was done. I'm just. I'm not saying when the game started. I'm saying maybe in practice to make him nah, see if he'll be to
0: take it from him. No, no. Can, no. can I? Can I mute y'all? <laughs> you're about to be. What, what's what's that show? They mute the people when they
1: say some crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Kerrigan, like, Kerrigan, knows, Kerrigan knows his place. He had a, <laughs> he, had a, he, had a zoom, he had a, he had a zoom what he had a, he had an interview or a zoom conference. Yeah. Conference, you know? yeah that's he, hard. he, he knows his place and he's, he's like being the, the guy you want on your team. Like he knows he's the OG he wants, Yes. He wants to retire Redskin. He, all he did was hype up the young players. I mean, I think he knows he's coming behind um, Montez sweat, but the thing is what he did say, what Kerrigan did say. And, um, rotation is going to be key. So like we talked about it before, it's such a good problem to have the second one of either young or Montez sweat gets tired. You boom, you bring in Kerrigan. And then he doesn't need to stay in for that long. And then bam, you got, I mean, those, those right tackles and left tackles are going to have no break whatsoever. And I'm so excited for our defensive end position this year. So sorry, just throw it out there.
2: But yeah, I think Charles is going to be the guy, just because I was listening, who is he going to give the most of a, most compliments to? And he went on, went in and started talking about Sadiq Charles having, you know, the reach and the size and everything else. And I'd say, okay, he likes his raw physical tools, which that was kind of the thing that a lot of people liked about Charles anyway. Some questions about footwork, but those are things you can coach, um, is, you know, just proper body placement and things like that. Um, but if jerron Christian is starting, man. If that had a preseason game tomorrow, who starts at left tackle? He's too.
4: Cornelius he's two, Lucas.
2: Yeah. yeah well, man, then.
3: I, I didn't hear him say, because I know that the offensive line coach specifically said that those, that uh, Charles and Christianson were, uh, were rotating that left tackle. He didn't say anything about the other guy at all.
4: Don't, don't, don't listen. Don't listen to what coaches are saying. You you guys remember, uh, Rich Tandler when he used to be on these radio shows. He's always say – "Rest in peace." Don't yes, absolutely. He said, "Don't listen to players when they tell you something, and don't listen to coaches." Don't it, when they go to these little. He's not going to give the goods to Kevin Sheen. I know you know he like might like him and all that stuff, but again, the information makes absolutely zero sense, especially with zero practices. So I think just take it all with a grain of salt. And I think he's just part of the coach's job is to be. A psychologist too, and I think he maybe knows what his players need to hear as well. Like maybe Charles is struggling with his confidence, and that's why he gave him the most compliments on the podcast. Oh, maybe yeah, he I'm can not- see the confidence in Haskins growing, so he's keep pumping that whole competition thing just to make sure he keeps Haskins' uh confidence and ego in check a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't buy too he's much. Into-
2: Lucas needs to be motivated by being told, "Hey, this rookie's out playing you." Maybe. That's
3: what I was saying, though. That with the same thing. Uh- Lawrence was saying that he's using Jerron Christensen to motivate Charles. I, th- I don't think it's ever supposed to be Char- uh, Jerron Christensen starting left tackle. I think he's using him. Maybe he's practicing more just to motivate the other guy. And by, you know, week four preseason, or, obviously, or week three, rather, I guess then you would see Charles probably be the starter by week one. I think he's completely using him for that reason. But I don't he know did. where the other guy fits in. I honestly don't understand why if you would keep four, go- four tackles.
4: Well, Lucas is a swing tackle. I think that's where they want him to
1: play. Right, but we, but I you think want one of the younger start... guys
3: that don't win the starting job to be a swing tackle? What are you going to do no. have a young tackle? No. Yeah, but not okay.
1: everyone can be not everyone can be a swing tackle. That's the exactly. problem.
3: But, but Jerron Christensen played let, right tackle last year.
4: And he was trash.
3: But but he's good
2: enough to be a swing is what I'm saying. No, he's not. He's he trash. Not. <laughs> he
4: needs
2: got... to gain 20 pounds and hit the weight room. I think he Man. did gain weight.
4: I keep, I keep telling you this. Players in the NFL don't just start getting better in their third and fourth year out of the blue. It doesn't happen.
3: I'm not Guys, saying that, but maybe he gets cut. Maybe he don't. I'm just saying I don't see a scenario why we would keep four tackles. If Jerry Christensen can't it doesn't start left tackle and he can't swing, why keep him? That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think we're we'll nah, right. four tackles.
4: Yes, he shouldn't be here. Right. I so agree.
3: so so that means Charles will be the swing tackle or the other guy will be the swing tackle. Lucas, I'm sure
4: yes. Yes, I, I, They want Lucas to be the swing tackle. That's where he okay. fits. That's what he's okay. done. That's what I was getting I'm at. I'm just I mean, saying, I don't think he'll Charles start might not be, Charles might not be ready by week one because of his deficiencies, and so you might have to put a Lucas at left tackle to start the season with and let Charles adjust how to mean, the speed of the NFL
3: How game. many did games did Lucas start last year at left tackle?
1: I'm looking uh, at him. He has a, he like, has a uh, very... Uh, games. His, his, uh, his history is very similar to Kevin Pierre-Lewis. He's been on... <laughs> But five teams since 2014 when he came in the league. Yeah, I don't
3: think he was really good. I think he was maybe just good. No, he had know? some
4: good games when he played, but I think he had injury issues, a lot of injury issues. I, I don't I, – Dev, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's supposed to be the long-term answer, but I think in the immediate future, he's probably where you're going to go week one, yeah. unless Charles you, makes some big strikes.
3: I don't think you cut Jeron Christensen for uh, the older Why guy. not? What has he done? nothing but i don't think he cuts i think maybe i think maybe he improves enough this year to where you can make him serviceable not a starter i think he's serviceable and if you got somebody eight, nine, seven, eight, nine years younger serviceable why would you keep an old ass dude
4: listen to me man who was his o-line coach last couple years callahan Callahan. the 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 best o-line coach in the business Mm -hmm. he couldn't get it done under that coach why in the world do you think he's going to get better under somebody else
3: I don't think he can get stronger. I don't think he was a, it was a skill problem for him. I think man, it was you th- maybe just a physical problem mostly.
4: Man, it was a skill problem. He couldn't do it in the game. He sucks. I know he's from Louisville. I know he's from Louisville. No, I, I, like I, too, I, I,
3: didn't, like, I didn't like him at Louisville. He always got Lamar Jackson jacked up.
4: Okay, then.
0: You guys Would you play, like, play right tackle?
4: No. no. Get him out of here. He, he doesn't have any benefit to what we do. Like, I
0: hate Moses. I'm sorry.
4: I know, but you're going to fill that position somewhere else next year. If that's the. Case. I think
3: Moses. Moses lost weight. I think maybe he's going yeah. to have a good
4: season.
3: Yeah, you think so you know that guy made the yeah. Pro Bowl one year, right? am I, am I tripping? Who? That, that one year Moses. did he go to alternate one year. or Some crazy shit.
4: Yeah, I think you're right.
3: That but that, that year that we had him, Williams, and Sheriff all go or some shit. It was something weird. Remember, happened.
4: remember 2015. He's, he's right. one of the ones that. Coach is locked in as a starter, so that position is not up for grabs already. Like he said that. Like Moses the said, right well, the right line.
3: side is great, was his exact words. I was like, I don't know what you were
2: smoking. I need and some of that.
4: Rivera came out and said it. He said that right side is not going to replace anybody. That's from center over.
2: Morgan Moses will tell you that he should be a Pro Bowl starter every year. He was a Pro Bowler one year. You can't take that off his well. year. One year. And he's been the Wakanda God of Flags ever since. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what, though. i i So I'm looking at Moses, like Pro Football Reference, just his start. So he's durable. 2015, he Believe started me. every game. Oh yeah, he's yeah. A tough. Yeah. Son of Which it. is surprising to me because it seemed like he'd always be hurt. Yeah. Like that's
1: he is. He's he always good.
0: hurt, but he, he plays still fucking plays. Third, the place. But here's the <laughs> thing, like yeah. that hero, that hero ball does us no fucking good either.
4: Like, well, it, it, depends it, tra- depends, I get it. it depends. It depends on who's behind you. You guys you don't see a
3: You guys don't see a situation where maybe Charles plays guard.
4: No. no. He played, it, he played
3: he it in too. college.
4: American Doesn't matter. If you want him to be your starting left tackle in the future, you play his butt at left tackle as a backup or whatever. You don't start mixing those responsibilities because then you start to slow down his growth. You leave him at tackle let him.
3: Maybe he's like Sheriff and he's meant to be a guard, though.
4: He's no.
2: Too, no. He's, he's a tackle. <laughs> he moves like a tackle. <laughs> he plays like a tackle. He did win the he's best to in the college. Dev, you keep trying to find ways to put Jeron Christian on the field. You, you <laughs> um, I want
3: Jeron Christian cut, but I'm just saying that I mean, I don't want you cut, bro, if you're watching. I'm just saying that I think you should be cut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, c- considering we can't keep four tackles and if we keep the old guy, why Why? Why would you need him? And, I don't I mean, want one of those can, two. Can you, can,
1: can you keep four tackles? Why can't what, would keep you?
3: Four you can't keep four tackles You you keep it three quarterbacks and yeah, four tight keep, ends. You know, three tackles mentioned right
4: and in, a swing. Most. I, I, don't want a, I don't want a quarterback that can't get better under Sean Payton. I don't want a receiver that can't get better in New England. I don't want a lineman that can't get better under Bill Callahan. It makes no sense. That's the best opportunity for you to improve And If you didn't do it, you don't have a place in my
0: organization. I hear that. So, moving on. Which 2019 player needs to step up the most? Jerron Christian. Every player from
3: Louisville. Ah, every player from Louisville, man. I don't even know any players from Louisville on the team anymore.
1: Now let's go down the line. Let's go down the line. Which 2019 Redskins player needs to step up the most? That's a good one.
0: For me, I'm I'm going to kick it off. It's it's not a cheap shot, I promise. But Ryan Kerrigan only because the amount of talent that's on that line, um, he's going to have to fight for relevance. And that's something he hasn't had to do in his nine year, coming on his 10th year in Washington. They start carry it somewhere, man. I mean, yeah, so the dude has – he's averaged 10 sacks a season. Um, Last year was his worst season, injury-plagued, shortened season rather, but five-and-a-half sacks. Uh, for him, uh, but that was coming off of two back-to-back, 13-13, and then 11 sack season. So he's he's always played in spurts. He's only two behind. He's one behind um, Dexter Manley the tie. He has 90 sacks total. Obviously, 91 ties. Dexter Manley, one and a half or two sacks. Puts him at top of the leaderboard. I don't know. I He's going to get it this year. I'm confident that he'll get the sack total. Um, but we need him to be more consistent when he comes in in relief. Um, He can't be the guy who comes in and throws his hands up uh, looking for a flag. He hasn't gotten those calls in nine years. I don't expect that to change in the 10th year playing for Washington. Um, But for me, that's the guy I need to see step up the most on the defensive side of the ball. And I'll do uh, offensive side as well. Um, Hmm. I am going to say whoever wide receiver two is. So maybe that's Steve Sims, maybe that's Cam Sims. Um, But one of the Sims brothers, if we're just looking at from 2019, who needs to step up because I think Harmon was going to be our starting uh, wide receiver opposite of Terry. And we cannot have a tight end room that is unknown, and in the wide receiver room, that is also wholly unknown. Uh, So I'd say, I guess Stephen Sims has to kind of diversify his portfolio. He seemed to be more of a slot guy, but I think we're going to need him to step outside a little bit more uh, next year. So I'm going to go with Steve Sims, and that's my two. Passing the buck.
3: talking about two that need to step up next year?
0: Yeah, from 2019,
3: Uh, yep. On defense, I'm going Sean Davis because everywhere else, you kind of know who the starter is. Like, I'm assuming Who? Sean Davis is going to – the safety – is his name Sean Davis?
1: Mm-hmm. He wasn't name, a Redskins last, name last it year. Maybe Collins or, or Thomas Davis? No, I'm no Sean this, Davis. Free safety. Free safety. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Daylor. guys that need to oh, step oh, up
0: okay, this
3: yeah, year. Okay, I got, you, I, got yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm not – I didn't know we were just choosing from guys that were there last What's, year, but I'm choosing it's him. It's fine. Go oh. ahead. Go ahead.
0: It, it was originally just 2019 Redskins players, but that's it. Oh, okay. one. So, yeah, go All ahead. All right. I,
3: my bad on that. But I, uh, I'm going with Sean Davis because everywhere else you kind of know – Who's going to at least be playing there? You assume it's Sean Davis, but in my opinion, he's the worst out of all the starters. Period. You know, I mean, I don't. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the offense, whoever plays tight end, because it's kind of the same way, have no idea who's going to be playing at that position at all. Do we have a fullback this year?
0: Steve does.
1: Logan <laughs> Thomas.
4: Back
3: in
2: COVID. Could be him.
3: Alex Smith, no, nah, that's definitely, <laughs> I'm joking, you don't need to step up, bro you just need to step, that's all we worried about but uh, yeah, I'm going with tight end position whoever plays that uh, maybe Moss maybe, it'd be kind of weird to see a guy go from undrafted to starting tight end over guys that have been starting at the tight end at least a couple of times but that's my two
2: all right on defense, the man who I think needs to step up and guy, I hope he steps up because I love the guy, loved him in college, is Jimmy Moreland. Um he showed some flashes, but he showed a lot of rookie mistakes too.
1: JMU?
2: I'm a look, I watched that kid play at JMU. I work in Harrisonburg, so I'm very familiar with the team. You know, they were what they went to back to back uh you know, NCAA, F, was it FCS championship games?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, kind of a big deal. You get you you got to know you, know, you know, I watched a lot of his games and loved what the kid did. So when we drafted him, I got excited. And you saw some flashes of it, but, you know, he still was adjusting to the NFL level. Took a bigger leap uh, than most college athletes do that go to the NFL. So I was... I really want to see him develop into that little slot corner because he he loves to jump routes, jump slants, things like that. The kind of stuff you hope that you know a good slot corner can do is take away the take away those inside routes, and if he can do that, that makes the our defense that much harder to play against because with a defensive line like ours, teams are going to probably go to that quick passing game. And a guy like him that can anticipate and jump routes is going to be invaluable. So Jimmy Moreland's my guy who I you know think needs to step up and you know really solidify his place as a guy who can be a playmaker on our offense. Dwayne Haskins. I say that because he has to put to bed all and any doubts. I think he can. I expect he will. But he has to do it. Because he's supposed to be the future of the funk. He's the franchise. He is the guy whose right arm, this franchise's uh, destination for next decade, rides on. And we saw the development. You know, it, it built up, it built up, it built up. Then we saw one and a half games of just brilliance. But I want to see it for 16 games. Put it to bed. Put it to bed so that Kyle Allen gets used to holding a clipboard. Put it to bed so that Alex Smith can take his fantasies of ever taking a snap in this uh, in, in a burgundy and gold uniform and put them to bed. Make it your team, your franchise. You own this, and there is no doubt. And that is going to be key to this entire franchise's success for the next decade. Dwayne needs to take that step.
3: So not, nobody gonna nobody gonna say uh way at all.
4: Oh I ain't gone yet man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dustin Hopkins. Go ahead, Ali. I'll close it up.
4: Julie. No. Um all right. So I think uh <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I, uh, so I have two offensive players. Number one, Brandon Sheriff. He did not have a good year last year. He did not play up to his caliber last year. He has got to get back to his Pro Bowl or just below Pro Bowl form. If we're going to have any hope of success um, running the football this year, which I think we're going to do a lot of. Um, and then I think out of necessity, even though I think this player gave a lot to the team last year, I think Adrian Peterson. Now we don't have a clear number two anymore. Uh, because you know our, the the guy who shall remain nameless from here point on, uh, <laughs> at this point on, is not here anymore. So now AP is going to get a whole lot more work than what I guess he was going to get before. Now we know we got some some things in 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 the air fryer right now that might come out all right, uh, but we don't know. And I don't think we're going to rely on uh, Bryce Love early in the season. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't know. Um, but I still think no matter what happens, AP is going to be the tone setter of this offense. And I think he got like what eight hundred and fifty-seven, eight hundred eighty-eight yards, whatever it was last year. He was close to a thousand. Um, this year, I think he's really got to hone in, and he's got to hit that thousand-yard mark for us. Um, and I so that—that's my joke, sheriff and AP.
0: Eight ninety-eight for AP last year. Yeah. <coughs> Who you got What's on me? defense?
4: Uh, I I don't know, because I think it was weird to hear you say Moreland, uh, Phil, because we haven't really talked about him this entire time we've been doing this podcast. And I part of me believes that Moreland got so overhyped last year that we put him in an impossible position and that he kind of really played to what he is. He's he's a gambler, but he's not much else. I mean, he's a, he's a physical tackle, too. I'll give him that, but... He's either gonna make a play or he's gonna give a, up a it's play. It's a home running. I won't let y'all know. Yeah. I yeah. said on
3: record, Moreland starts, man, and then uh, Fuller goes for free safety. I called that. I just want y'all to let y'all know this.
0: Moreland has the same amount of interceptions as Aaron Colvin.
3: Next, next Seven less years Moreland, in the league. <laughs> but Moreland,
2: but Morland was a Moreland was at best a
4: nickel corner
2: last year in his rookie
4: season. He wasn't great there. I mean he you know. He, he had, some, he had some, some issues. But I'm going to go uh, Landon Collins. I, I know Landon Collins had a strong game in the box. And I know that's what he is. But for $86 million, I think we got to get more uh, turnovers. You know, we got more the same thing we got plays. with the Johns.
3: They got the, we got the same thing the Johns got with them.
4: And don't give them $86 million, Because you got to have game-changing plays from that guy. And we didn't get that from him. We got a solid play. Too late. I think
0: that's all scheme, though, <laughs> yeah. man. I
4: hope so. I just, I, I, I,
0: hope so, and I really do think so. I think Minuski was just over his fucking head, man. I think that dude's a, probably a pretty good linebacker's coach, and that's it. I think he but just you should, didn't know what he was
4: doing. But you get paid that much, you got to be able to overcome that, right? Your oh, best, uh, absolutely. The best people that work with you overcome any kind of challenges. The best people that work for me, all the people that work for me, if you're listening, you guys are great. But Especially um, <laughs> you got to overcome that stuff, man. It's just some, you, sometimes you're not going to be in the best system. You took that money, you signed a contract, overcome it. That's all I'm saying.
3: Especially when you got a Ryan on the coaching staff, who's probably a better defensive coordinator, and you could have had Phillips.
4: Right, but but he didn't. But I mean, that's another podcast. But he didn't want Phillips because <laughs> he wanted his job to be right, safe. Right, right.
1: Uh, for me, um, I'm gonna say who needs to step up this year is Logan. Um, Campbell. Wait, wait. I mean Thomas. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just kidding. It's hey for me. It's a hey, Ellie. You stole my thunder. Is Brandon Sheriff? Um, for real, this is this is his fifth year tender. He's in right. I mean, he. We just got through his fifth year tender last year. He's on the franchise tender this year, if I'm not mistaken. He signed the franchise tender very quickly. It's got to be him. His last two seasons, he played eight games and eleven games bro we need that right side to be locked down if there's nothing else we need to be certain on offense is it's the right side because the left side is a big old fat freaking question mark i don't even think on the on the depth chart it's it's empty for left guard (laughs) so just so you know that i don't know if west martin's gonna be I, i don't know who it's gonna be um so the right side's got to be solid. I'm going Brandon Sheriff as well on offense and on for defense. I'm going with Fabian Moreau because our cornerbacks are all suspect, except for Kendall Fuller, who Dev thinks is going to be a safety. If he's going to be a safety, then we have zero cornerbacks. And Fabian Moreau is the closest thing we have to a cornerback. Um, I know it's his uh, fourth year. I don't think he had the full opportunities, the full opportunity to shine because I I don't remember if he got injured. Or he wasn't available. I mean, he only played twelve games last year. But um, I just think for he got to step up, and I think he can. He he only played twelve games. He had three picks last year in some whack ass three four you know defense run by Minuski, where your two best you know pass rushers are trying to cover damn running backs and tight ends and receivers. So, um I'm hoping to see big things from Mero, uh, Fabio Rowe. Um so that's my pick for defense. Everyone else I think is is pretty much safe cuz if you look at our cornerback room, I mean it is not crazy good. It's 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 Kendall Fuller, it's it's Fabio Moreau, and then we got Aaron Colvin, the savior himself. With
3: Moreau's length and his, <laughs> his uh, abilities, man, you would think that the, our defensive line is going to make his job a lot easier, I hope.
1: Well, remember, I said that a couple of pods ago. I think, this is my theory, the defensive line, the front seven is going to be so good that the, the, the cornerbacks are going to get rated so high uh, unless PFF can knock out which ones are – our uh, coverage sacks versus, um, you know, regular, regular sacks. I think our corners are going to get touted so high and something's going to happen and we're going to lose somebody. And then bam, we're going to be exposed because um, I have promise for Jimmy Moreland. I know what he can do in preseason. He's got sticky hands. He's, he just got, you know, he just got to get, he's growing. It's his second year. I mean, um, that's my biggest fear is that these cornerbacks are going to get so touted by such defensive line, you know, such for them to stop the run and to stop, you know, rush the passer, we're going to be in trouble. So, uh, cornerbacks, make us proud. Fabian Moreau, that's all you, bro. That's all, all right. I got.
0: Gentlemen, I think the 13th pot is wrapped up, man.
3: Sounds like Ab- you're saying Fabian Moreau. Yeah. Got to go. Is the guy that needs to step it up the most. and <laughs> I
4: don't know. We'll
0: see. We'll see. Fellas, happy to be back. Appreciate you guys uh, holding it down the past two weeks Longs was away from work. But uh, as always, man, I think we brought the heat again. Uh, good topics. Good discussion. Uh, and Can we get some shout outs. Game starts yeah. next week. Yeah, yeah, shout outs. Okay. Yeah. You know what? That's something y'all been doing. So place. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. My bad. I spoke too soon. I'll let y'all do your <laughs> hey, shout it's outs. It's like so you've been gone love.
1: for It's like you've been gone for two weeks. <laughs> I know. Weeks. Right, Jesus. Right. <laughs> what are
0: you doing? My shout bad. To go God. ahead. <laughs> Shout out to Rob, not knowing what's going on. Okay, okay, you got me. You got me.
4: Go ahead, go ahead. I haven't been reactive in the group lately, so I don't know who's been pumping that group lately. But uh, I guess the usual suspects. We got Demar. Uh, what's I keep I want to call his name Mitch, but it's McDonald or something like that, right? Uh,
1: Mike Mike McDonald.
4: There he goes. Shout out to him. Brad Flowers. Orson Wells. Yeah, I'll ride with you, Did you Ali. say
3: Orson Welles no, I, or, I was like I, the guy from the Transformers movie.
1: I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll ride with you, Ellie. It's it's Damar Daisy, Andy Burroughs, Maurice Deloach Ivan Lambert from SI.com. Thank you for engaging Jeff. us. You are a journalist and you are engaging. Yeah. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, you know, my cousin Jeff Runyon, those are the top five top contributors from, from the Facebook uh, uh, from the Facebook group. So
4: yo, I saw Ben Standing.